Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who have great personalities. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Welcome to Wood Talk number 139 for July 10th, 2013. On today's show, we're talking about expansion differences between hardwood and softwood, resaw alternatives to the bandsaw, and the difference between parallelogram and dovetail weight jointers. But before we get to all that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is supported by Festool, helping woodworkers get better results in less time and with less mess to clean up afterwards. Visit them online at festoolusa.com. And by SawStop. SawStop is North America's number one cabinet saw and the world's safest table saw. Visit sawstop.com 175 to learn more about the professional cabinet saw model that Matt chose for his basement workshop. Then click on Find a Dealer to see the saw in action near you. All right, well, before we get started here, I do want to send out a special thank you to my new buddy, Andrew Allen, who is an incredible musician. He made our new intro song, Um, and I do want to mention that if you are somewhat geeky, maybe you like video games, or maybe you even like Star Trek, Andrew Allen has taken um, a lot of Star Trek music, and he made an album called Smooth Federation, and it's jazz interpretation remixes of uh, Star Trek music. And then he- New generation or original? I don't know. I'm not a Star Trek fan. So. Um, I didn't, I didn't know is. how to throw data in there. Uh, I'll, I'll find out for you, Matt. And um, so and also... Like Whoopi Goldberg run DJ. <laughs> she seemed like, you know, there was you Guinan. Yeah. Um, but also, he did the one that I am much more interested in myself is a album that was just released called Free Play. And I'll find out about the availability of, of that Free for play. you. But essentially, classic games, classic video games, same idea, putting it into a jazz uh, trio, um, just amazing renditions of these classic video game songs that a lot of us would remember from our childhoods or uh, early 20s, if you're Shannon. Yes. Because um, I, I just, everybody thinks you're old, Shannon. <laughs> I don't know why. Grandpa but. Shannon's going to play something for us. <laughs> okay, and one other little note here. Allie wants to wish Michael Binkley of Nashville a happy birthday. Um, they're getting uh, married soon, and she thought it, that it would be a very cool and unique gift. Now, here's the thing. That's apparently what we're getting, Michael, as a unique gift. What are you getting, Amali? <laughs> yeah, really? No, we're giving I, I put a lot of thought and money <laughs> into this gift, so happy birthday, Michael. Definitely. I hope you enjoy this. Yes, happy birthday, and congratulations, you crazy kids. <laughs> All right, let's no, move. We're in. not going to sing. Uh, do you want to? One, uh, that, two. That could be our gift. One, two, three. Ready? Go. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to Okay, let's not do that. That's painful. Oh. <laughs> gonna do it My ears are already bleeding. <laughs> All right. So happy let, birthday in a minor key is always good. Yes, absolutely. All right, let's go into what's on the bench. Uh, I'll go first. I am fresh off of a Utah trip to Nerdtacular 2014. 13, sorry, got the year wrong. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong it's with just me. that exciting. <laughs> yeah, just thinking about next year. Um, absolutely amazing. A lot of people might not know this, but you know, if you listen all the way to the end of the show, you'll hear that little message saying uh, that we're part of the Frog Pants Network, and that's just something that we enjoy being a part of. And Scott Johnson runs a great operation over there. Nerdtacular is basically exactly what it sounds like. It's a bunch <laughs> of nerds getting together uh, in sort of a convention style thing for two days. And it's absolutely awesome. Recharges the batteries was, a, was an absolute blast, but no woodworking, but a lot of podcast talk and just getting together and talking about video games and movies and comic books and all that good stuff. 
So it sounds like the kind of crowd that, like, if they asked you what kind of show you had and you said you did woodworking, their eyes would immediately glaze over. Uh, that happens every time I talk to someone at Nerdtacular. <laughs> it's like, I have an idea. You're the wood guy, right? Okay. All right. Well, I'll talk to someone. I have a loose now. cabinet. How do I fix it? <laughs> yeah. So that's about it. Nothing really woodworking related there. So, Matt, how about you? Well, the, uh, the big thing I've done was nothing. Uh, the 4th of July holiday rolled around, and we headed up north to uh, some good friends. They have a cabin. We hung out near a river. We uh, did a whole bunch of manly things while the ladies were doing some lady things. Uh, the, but the big hit was all these friends are very artsy-fartsy kind of people. And for the fun of it, I made a wooden six-pack carrier. I'm going to call it the wooden drink carrier because you can put whatever you want to in their beer grape soda. Oh yeah. I preferred the grape soda kind of a thing. Sure. So, uh, that was, that was a really big hit. Although there was at one point where I did had to rescue it from the fire pit because I thought somebody was like, Oh, look at this scrap wood. I'm like, no, <laughs> dang it. It has a shape, <laughs> but it burns so well. Exactly. That's how you can heat it up if you want to. <laughs> right. So the neat thing about that, I'm going to be uh, releasing a video pretty soon on the construction of it. It's a fun little project. It only took you know less than a day. And the Ooh. neat thing about it was I had a chance to use a whole bunch of scraps. So, that's always nice. Scrap wood projects are the best. Absolutely. Yes, they are. Cool. So that was the big thing for me. Now, Shannon, I noticed here on the bench, you've got something about, you got a main design. What happened? Is it the primary design? Is it a secondary? <laughs> it's M-A-I-N-E. Oh. Yeah. I was also My, starting to wonder if it was for horses. Ooh. But I could, no, no, we won't go there. Okay. Um, my, uh, my in-laws, uh, Finally, after visiting there for probably 30 years, bought a place in Maine, mm. and uh, they have commissioned me to make a carve a sign for the house. They're naming the house Runaway Dog, which is a reference to a poem about the runaway dog, which is some kind of allusion to being free and untethered or something like that. That's so deep. it's their vacation home. I created a logo and Photoshop and everything, and I'm going to carve the sign. But uh, they then came to us and said, well, you know, you and Heather obviously have a have a room in the house, the room that you guys would normally stay in, so you are allowed to decorate it however you want. And that kind of got the wheels turning because it's going to need furniture. And uh, how cool is it that I have this, like, whole room that I get to furnish and build myself? Time because, to go to Ikea. <laughs> well, <laughs> see, but that's, that's normally what I would say. But since it's a vacation home that we probably won't even get to this year. Right. Um, there's, there's time and I'm certainly not going to go there in the winter cause it's on the coast of Maine and you know, maybe it's okay for, for Matt and, and the folks up North, but no thanks. Right. <laughs> not going to spend January on the coast of Maine. Don't so blame I, me. you know, I've got to build a bed and a dresser and probably some side tables and maybe a chair or something like that. I don't know. I just, it's kind of exciting. Cool. I like the design phase. Maybe it's, it's like my version of armchair woodworking, I guess. <laughs> Awesome. That was the first thing I was thinking is what piece is going to get built first? Is it like we're showing up? Oh, I forgot the bed. I only brought this box. <laughs> <laughs> Thermarest. Very nice. All right. Well, let's move to uh, around the web. We've got a, quite a few things here. I'm going to take the first one and whoever put theirs in the list, go ahead and, and say them. Uh, this one is, you guys remember that Adam Savage video, the Mythbusters guy when he cut some dovetails? Go, I don't know. It might have been a year ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, there's I grimaced a, the whole time. Yeah. There's another video where I guess he was contacted by the folks at New Concepts who said, hey, you're using the wrong coping saw for that. There's oh, no. a smaller one. Like, I guess he had the full-size one with a real deep throat on it that's intended for, like, inlays and, and marquetry-type work. And uh, he's like, no, you need this one. And he shows him the one that's, you know, just basically got, like, a two- to three-inch throat on it. 
Um, so the video is, is kind of him showing, showing off the saws and what makes, if you've ever seen these new concepts, saws, they're amazing. They're just like an engineer's uh, dream. If you take a look at them, super strong, um, really cool looking and definitely top of the line. So uh, cool. I got one. It's booty. Yeah. It's, it's sexy. I love it. Yeah. I played with them at uh, woodworking in America and I've yet to pull the trigger on them. I guess I'll wait till like mine falls apart or something. But <laughs> anyway, Adam Savage, always cool to see uh, the, the sort of mainstream Hollywood ish people discussing woodworking. It's always fun. Nice. Hey, well, here's one that, this came in from Eric and Eric said, Shannon, I found your long lost uncle and it's a video about a pole turning lathe in Romania, which is used for making drinking vessels. Uh, if you haven't watched the video, it's another one of those neat ones where you're watching somebody just do something where if you're complaining that you can't get the right size tool or something like that, <laughs> he goes so far as to not only being a pole lathe where it looks like he just grabs some stuff out of the fire pit or the, the fire pile, even his turning tools, the handles look like it's like, Hey, can you hand me that? tree limb over there and <laughs> right, i'm gonna stick something in the back here there we go let's go make a drinking vessel very nice so uh, see, and i don't I'm, understand why he thinks he's my long lost uncle yevgeny and i are good friends we talk all the time <laughs> <laughs> all right well eric also sent in another uh link which is to some wood batteries that are being made at the university of maryland and i didn't watch this whole entire thing but uh, uh, essentially apparently they've have found that uh, wood is not only flexible in a whole bunch of other ways, but it also tends to be flexible enough to carry a charge a little bit longer than some of the other existing batteries out there. So uh, who knows? Maybe pretty soon our shops will become one giant battery for the whole entire household, which would be nice because the microphone I use when I'm creating videos could really, really use uh, some sort of different power source. See, we finally found a way to end this schism between hand tools and power tools because if your hand tools are made out of wood, they actually hold power and could be power tools there you go or if yeah you have like one of those battery ones you could be like hey oh my gosh the battery is getting low can you pass me that piece of oak i just need to slap it on here and we'll be set (laughs) plug in that piece of pine over there nice (laughs) these exotics don't hold their charge like the other ones (laughs) i'm just waiting for somebody to carve like you know prongs into a piece of wood and try to stick it into an outlet Um, I, i can't wait to see that video nice you're not supposed to Give it a shot. Let us know how it turns out. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm not the the wood wouldn't be so bad. It's the metal attached to it that would probably be the real hardcore one. Uh, Let's see. This next one comes from Jake, and Jake said, "Thought I would share a link on the product called Never Wet. They just started selling it at the Home Depot for about twenty dollars. Expensive, but it might be good for preventing rust in our tools, especially if you live in Arizona and don't have that problem." Uh, or if you do, yeah, anyways, but, uh, you do have a young child. You may want to coat your whole house with it. I don't know if you guys saw this video either. And of course it's a total product video. Uh, but the neat thing about it is you spray it on and supposedly water just runs off like nobody's business. You think so, I could, uh, you think I could put that on Mateo's butt? Um, <laughs> you sure. probably could, but I don't think I'd want to tell other people that you did. Just as a, you might get, you might ran- get loaded though. like a nice little rash preventative. That would be good. Ooh, that would be kind of maybe rather than putting it on the butt, maybe you should spray the diaper itself. There you go. Sounds <laughs> sounds perfectly have you, safe. Have you tried a cork? That might work. Uh, it could. That's terrible. Oh, yes, it is. That's, that's over that's, the line, Shannon. You are yeah, not allowed no, to I babysit. Don't have kids, so. <laughs> that's just over the line. All right. Oh, I'm not allowed to babysit the Vanderless kids. Man. <laughs> oh, anyways, no comment. I've had a lot of people run out screaming after that one. Uh, let's see. Uh, this next one comes from David, and it says, a handheld CNC router. I do believe this is actually something on a Kickstarter right now, but anyways, you can find it over at handybot.com. Oh, yeah. This is and he says, how, think about how many viral. tools are going to be replaced by this machine. 
what would be really cool if it was a handheld CNC slash 3D printer, then I'll invest. There you go. Nice. All right. And then uh, let's see. We have uh, one more here, which is from Brad. He says, hello, Wood Talkers. Here's a pretty cool lampshade in the following link. I think this video has been out there for a while. This is one over at YouTube, and it is a pretty neat video. It looks like he's taking a log and converting it into a, a lampshade. So uh, for those of you who love tur- turning videos, I almost said porn, but that wouldn't be proper. Definitely not. No. Uh, so anyways, I'll check that one out. Like I said, I know that one's been out there for a while. Kind of a neat vi- uh, video. And then the last thing is an article that Dell sent in. Speaking of Ikea, Shannon, they use a staggering 1% of the world's wood every year to make all that hardboard or press wow. board or board stuff. That's a lot of sawdust and chips. That yeah. is. That's that's a whole bunch. Wow. So anybody interested in checking that out and using that as an excuse not to go to Ikea, even though you know you want to? Um, there's your video. I would like to article. know, I would like to know a little bit like more of the, the broad usage, like what other things and, and what parts of the industry are using what percentages of the wood and, and, and most importantly, what are the hobbyists utilizing? That's a good question. Doesn't this go into that conversation? We tend to have a lot in whenever someone gives us crap for using, um, an exotic wood and we, we right. tr- try to express that our, our actual impact is so low compared to like exotic woods used in the flooring industry. I would love to see a chart that outlines all that. So if anyone knows of one, send it our way. I'd like to uh, share it with people. I'm not sure it's a measurable number, frankly. (laughs) It doesn't even statistically hit the chart. (laughs) It doesn't even show up. When when I read this article, this Ikea one, I just did a quick skimming, and it was almost kind of like a bipolar, because at one point they're talking about all the wood that they're using. They make a very good point of pointing out to people that it is uh, harvested, it's maintained, it's, you know, it's, it's environmentally friendly. They're, they're monitoring how much is being used and making sure that they're replacing it. Mm-hmm. But then somewhere down the line, I also saw something that looked like further in the article where they were actually going the other direction and saying, you know, how horrible it is that they're doing this and, and then all the formaldehyde and everything else. So well, I mean, maybe you, I need to skim read a lot better, but that well, just, <laughs> yeah, that's if, what I picked up. If you think about it, just the numbers here alone, Think about how much furniture IKEA sells. It says here roughly 100 million pieces of furniture each year, and that tallies up to 1%. So right along with what Shannon's saying about what does the woodworking hobbyist category consume in terms of the world's wood... (laughs) And I Ikea. made six pieces of furniture last year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that I mean, was a banner year for me. <laughs> again, and, and, and I don't want to come across as saying, you know, go use up uh, illegally harvested wood. Go for it. You're all clear. That's not the case at all. But I'm just saying in terms of general concerns and sustainability about should I just use this wood for this one particular project? I just don't know that we need to be as uptight about it as, as some of us tend to be. Right. I, I won't go so far as to say that we're like a drop in the ocean. I'd say we're maybe like a uh, half full cup is the way I look at it. <laughs> there you go. All right. We are going to skip the poll of the week and kick back because I've been up since 3.30 and I didn't have time to go through all the kickbacks. So we'll save those for next week. How's that? That sounds good. good to me. Yeah, I was getting tired of your the bags under your eyes. Keep hitting the keyboard as you're, <laughs> no as you're talking. So. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> All right, let's move right into the email section. Matt, you want to take the first one? Sure. This came in from Jeremy. In fact, this is a a new email that came right in. And he says, I'm working on a friction fit drawer project in crazy summer humidity and wondered, do softwoods expand and contract more than hardwoods in humid, dry environments? So number one, I think, first of all, I'll get to the the answer in a second here. I think summer for me is like the perfect time to be working on any type of project where I'm going to have either like a friction fit for a drawer or I'm going to have an inset drawer because this is when 
regardless of what species I'm working on, it's swollen enough that I know when winter rolls around, it's going to, it's going to be perfectly fit. And then when the next summer comes around, I don't have to worry about suddenly Sam screaming at me that she can't get the drawer open. And what the heck was I thinking? <laughs> um, but when it comes to the softwoods expanding, attract more than the hardwoods personally, myself, uh, yes, I think that they do quite considerably. I have some pine, uh, drawer sides and I notice that those ones, when I am designing them, I tend to, right or wrong, leave a little bit extra expansion room in there because, man, they seem to be more like a sponge than anything else that I've ever worked with, especially we're talking like uh, mainly pine for me is the one that uh, when I think of softwoods, even some poplar, I've actually had it expand way more than, say, like a maple. Mm -hmm. And by way more, I mean not really that much, but enough to be noticeable. Right. Mm. How about you guys? You disagree? disagree? <clears throat> well, I don't disagree. I just there the numbers don't support a trend. Um, every species is different, and you will find some softwoods that are incredibly stable and barely move at all. Alaskan mm-hmm. yellow cedar is a good example. The stability is like the it's ridiculous. It's like two percent movement um, volumetrically. Whereas pine, yeah, it's going to be higher than that. But I know hardwoods that move more than pine. I know hardwoods that move less than pine. I think what you're running into, Matt, is things like poplar, even though it's a hardwood, and definitely pine. It tends to be dried not enough and too fast. Okay. So we're introducing instability into it. And it, doesn't, it has very little to do with the actual wood species. Every species is going to be different. Every species is going to have a slightly different radial, tangential, and longitudinal expansion quotient, if you will. What we're looking at is that volumetric number that kind of combines all three of them together to determine how stable is that wood. And, you know, look up the design values of any species and you'll see they're all over the place. And you can't really say, you know, softwoods do it more than hardwoods because you'll find just as many on both sides of of that line. Um, I think it has to do with um, improper drying, frankly, oh. or not enough drying. Now, when we're talking about hardwoods, are we talking about kind of like the typical domestics? When I think of hardwoods, because my uh, – um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Vocabulary of woods is very minimal is what I'll say. Deciduous trees. Okay. Trees that gotcha. – I hate to say trees that – well, yeah, trees that lose their leaves. There are certainly – Always exceptions to the rule. There are hardwoods that don't lose their leaves, and there are softwoods that are that lose their leaves. But regardless, for the most part, deciduous trees. Hardwoods um, have a different cell structure than softwoods. Okay. Um, and and that in and of itself almost makes it kind of an apples and orange oranges comparison. Um, but again, um, yeah, I, I can point to many examples on that that are really, really unstable and really stable in both softwoods and hardwoods. So I, I think it's a little hard to, to make that assumption. Yeah, and if you want to have some fun, head over to woodshopwidget.com and go to the wood movement calculator. Yeah. And you can set up some examples to to really get a survey uh, of this type of thing that, that what Shannon's saying here. And I think, you know, if the what Matt might be seeing is just the woods that he happens to use, either those that he typically uses tend to expand more, or like Shannon said, it's a a drying issue, but you could set the conditions here and actually do some comparisons and see for yourself, compare maple to Douglas fir or, uh, you know, to pine. And there's like 150 versions of pine in this thing that I can't figure out which one is the right one. (laughs) Um, I know. It's horrible. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go with uh, this one. This sounds cool. That sounds great. I work with cool wood. 
Um, and you can see over a given width and a different uh, specific type of cut, you could see exactly exactly how much it's going to expand over that change in humidity and temperature as well. Um, so that's something to play with. But ultimately, whenever I work with a, a new wood, I usually go to a calculator like this. And that's the first thing I do is I look at what are my extreme changes, whether it's soft wood, which I don't work with that often, uh, or hard wood. And it's just every woods are just across the board all over the map. It's just species by species. Right. I mean, and let, let's face it, when you when you say I'm using a softwood as a secondary, do you usually go to your lumber yard and buy that softwood? Some of you may say yes, and probably it's because you've gone and bought something like northeastern white pine, like good quality, well-dried oh. northeastern white pine at a lumber yard. I love that stuff. Mm. I love it's that stuff. Awesome. Anybody who says they don't like pine is probably because they're buying at Home Depot or Lowe's mm, yeah. or 84 lumber or something like that. That's what I'm and doing. It's wrong. not treated well. You know, it's just the way it is. But, but that's what, you know what they do? They go into the aisles and they're like, you're nothing. You're ugly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys suck. They're just not treated well. Go ahead. But it, you know, on paper, <laughs> Eastern white pine. <laughs> so Sorry. Good. It's just good that you guys are here because I get way too serious sometimes. You're show. like the redheaded stepchild of the woodworking mm, world. Look at you with your knots. <laughs> You Danny Bataducci. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nothing. Redheaded. Redheaded. I got you. Anyway, look at the design <laughs> values of eastern white pine, and you'll see that from a shrinkage perspective, is actually incredibly stable wood. Um, but you know, go and buy it at Home Depot, and all bets are off. And that's actually probably the issue that I've run into because the one the project I am thinking of where it is literally like one of those it's it, it's a one footer and on a really humid day it's a two footer to get the uh, the drawer open was made with uh, a home center pine and the the way that you're talking about the the eastern white pine I I love that I can't say it enough I love that stuff it's amazing it's so perfectly stable and everything else at least the stuff I've gotten. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's, it's a, it's almost like a hardwood as far as I'm concerned. Cause it's just so different. Yeah. Cool. All right, Shannon, let's move on. You're up. Uh, I lost my place in the notes because Google signed me out for some reason. Okay. Let's see here. Uh, this is from James. He said, I picked up about 10 board feet, uh, approximately seven to eight inches wide of zebra wood. And I want to resaw it into quarter inch thick boards to extend its usefulness. I want to make edge-glued panels that I can glue onto a plywood substrate. Other than getting a nice bandsaw, do you have any advice on what I can do? Either a different tool or setup, a jig, something with hand tools. I want to do this with justice, and I don't want to waste it either if I can avoid it. Well, I mean, you know, the first thing that obviously comes to mind with resawing is a bandsaw. So what you need to do is is think, how much am I going to do this? Uh, you know, if this is just a one-shot deal, then probably going out and buying a bandsaw may not be your best solution. Although, bandsaw is a pretty useful tool. You're going to find lots of other reasons to use it. Mm. So if we eliminate bandsaw from the equation, because it sounds like he's not planning on going out and buying a bandsaw, um, Certainly, you can, because you're dealing with seven, eight, seven to eight inch wide piece here, um, you can't use your table saw, and you're going to waste a lot of wood using your table saw. Um, so to me, it comes down to using a handsaw. Um, and uh. you can use just a plain old, everyday, regular old handsaw. Um, it's a lot of work, no question, especially mm-hmm. seven, eight inches wide. Uh, if you want to get really crazy, you can build a you know resaw frame saw like I did, and you can get through it at about you know, an inch of length every 45 seconds, which is pretty dang fast. But um, 
I don't know. I mean, what would you guys do if you couldn't use a bandsaw? How would you saw this apart? I would find a bandsaw. Yeah. (laughs) No matter what. I would suddenly start making friends like nobody's business. (laughs) I'd go to the local woodworking association and I'd be like, whose bandsaw can I borrow? Because I am not going at a rate of one inch per 45 seconds. Or I would head to my local woodworking store, like say a woodcraft or something, and be like, listen, I'm not convinced this saw could actually handle making these cuts. Could you, could we set it up <laughs> demonstrate this for me? <laughs> demonstrate this, and I need about four or five cuts to really get proof that this is... No, I just didn't get it. Just can one you demonstrate more. it again? Oh, wait, I wasn't watching. Could you do it one more now, time? Now, l- let me ask you this, Shannon, as someone who does uh, has done this by hand. How much um, skill is required to negotiate, let's say, a seven to eight inch wide board and not just jack it up completely and have the blade like come out halfway through the cut? It's not the hardest thing in the world, but it's not something you get right the first time either. Yeah, um, yeah. It does. The, if you if you prepare properly, and the best way to do this is kind of lay in just like a real shallow eighth inch kerf all the way around the board, mm-hmm. and that kind of helps steer the saw a little bit, and then you can just kind of daydream while you while you saw. Yeah. Um, if you're using a dedicated frame saw like the big forty eight inch beast that I built earlier this year, um, you can't. You can't daydream with that. I mean, mm-hmm. it it will if it gets offline, it'll it'll eat through anything. It's so aggressive, so it does require a lot of practice to get it just right. Um, but you know, the the reason I like doing it by hand is because I'm just not limited at all. Um, I resawed a 25 inch wide board the other day, and it's just there's no way I could do that by power. His width, I mean. That's tough. You know, mm-hmm. your regular 14-inch bandsaw, unless you put a riser block on it, can't handle that that height under the blade. And I'm also of the mindset that riser blocks on 14-inch bandsaws tend to be kind of dumb anyway. Speaking yeah, of someone right. who put a riser block on his bandsaw and saw that, wow, now I have this capacity and I can't possibly saw it with the power that this saw has. Yeah. And the so, very reason why I had Samantha come down and help me remove it, although she wasn't really happy about that. <laughs> so, um, you know, actually, I'm, I'm glad you guys piped up because that's a very good solution. Um, a lot of communities have um, like a park and rec wood shop. I know my county has one. Um, and uh, there's also cabinet shops that might be able to help you out. Uh, we have a resaw at the lumber yard that um, probably if you caught somebody in a good mood later in the day, they might do it for you. So yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a good point because we have, we have a I don't have one nearby me, but I do know of a full service uh, lumber provider here in Michigan that's kind of centralized. And I don't know how they would feel about it's like a lunch counter. They don't want you bringing in the food. They'd prefer that you buy it there. Hmm. But I have a feeling that if you were willing to just pay the service fees, they'd be more than happy to take that on for you. Yeah, right. But if if nothing else, the point I want to get across is it can be done with a regular old handsaw. You don't have to have a dedicated frame saw or anything like that you can do it with with a handsaw it needs just, to be sharp just don't practice on the zebra wood <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> just get some scrap wood and give it a shot all right uh, next question is from jacob he says i'm planning on purchasing a jointer and was wondering if you could explain the difference between a parallelogram jointer and the standard dovetail style is there a significant advantage to one over the other the other question has to do with the brand the grizzly that i'm looking at is eight inches and about half the price of a comparable powermatic or laguna do either of you know of any complaints about the Grizzly? Money is not too big of a concern. However, the wife will feel better about me spending around $1,000 than $2,000. All 
All right, Jacob, uh, parallelogram versus dovetail ways. It's kind of a common question, but you'll find a lot of information out there about it. But I think what it really boils down to is adjustability. The beds on a parallelogram jointer can be adjusted at four independent points, and you could turn these little screws, and it's sort of a cam action that will allow you to adjust the four points of each table. That's incredibly handy for calibrating the jointer and getting everything set up. If you have uh, one of the older style dovetail way setups, the only thing you can do to change the orientation of the beds like that is to shim them, and that's not fun. And uh, <laughs> yeah. and I had I had an old Craftsman six inch, um, fairly small, but a, a six inch jointer when I first started, and I tried it on that, and I was just using like people would recommend cutting up a aluminum uh, soda can and using that as a very thin shim and stacking them in there. That's right. no, that's no picnic. Um, yeah, I sacrificed a, a bunch of feeler gauges. Yeah, see, I, mean, <laughs> I went out and bought like a cheap set of feeler gauges, and yep. we talk about trial and error. Trial and error to an annoyance point. You know, yeah. like slide that in. Nope, that's not right. Slide that in. Yeah, it just wasn't fun. Yeah, so that to me is going to be your primary difference. The there is another issue with the throat opening because the parallelogram adjusts on like its course is an arc and it really hugs the cutter head, there's less space between the cutter head and the tables, whereas the the older models, the dovetail ways, uh, will generally have more space there, but really that's kind of a minor thing. I don't know that that's really a deal breaker one way or the other, but ultimately take one time to calibrate a dovetail way jointer and you'll be convinced that you should have gotten a parallelogram you know <laughs> yeah. so so if this is something you're going to keep for a long time this is it this is your jointer you will have to make adjustments to it down the road i would absolutely without a doubt recommend trying to uh, get a hold of a parallelogram style uh, it's um, enough of a difference to make you go oh that was the difference <laughs> yeah yeah put it this way i had a I had a dovetail way jointer and now i do it all by hand that shows you just how much he it hated drove it. me to hand tools. That's what it was. You know, that reminds me, the other day I was listening to another podcast, and they did a whole entire thing on the history of Luddites, and I kept thinking about Shannon. It's <laughs> an interesting history. Uh, okay, so Grizzly. Overall, the, the rule with Grizzly is they sometimes make great stuff. And, you know, most people that I talk to are very happy with their Grizzly stuff. I just think when you have a situation like that uh, where they're offering these things at a fairly low cost compared to other other brands, what you're going to get is more instances of lemons. And it's just a little bit more frequent than you'd get elsewhere. Um, Of course, overall quality is probably going to be a little bit better on the more expensive units. But that doesn't mean that you can't get a really good serviceable quality product at a decent price with with grizzly so shannon i know you made a big grizzly decision recently that might uh yeah play into this and that's actually my third grizzly decision okay. um you know ironically i've ended up selling my first two but not because of a quality issue just from my own my own hand tool madness getting rid of power tools but um there was a rumor at one point that if you bought it on a tuesday it was better than if you bought it on a wednesday something to do with you know the factory it was made in yeah but i i was reading some literature from them the other day when i was buying my my new planer which hopefully will show up any day um they apparently have like changed factories around and they now have like iso 9000 factories and everything they do. So I think that that rumor started where one of their factories was ISO certified and the other one wasn't. So if it was made on a Tuesday, it came out of the crappy factory. And if it was made on a Wednesday, <laughs> it came from the good factory. Um, that, that you know, Stranger things have been true, I suppose. But I think they've gotten a handle on that lately. And cool. the way I've always thought about it, especially with um, these type of milling type power tools, joiners, planers, things like that, mm-hmm. you're going to 
do something after you join it anyway. You're going to sand it or you're going to hand plane it, right? Yeah. So, you know, if you get a little bit more snipe in the planer, then, you know, you budget in an extra eight inches on the end of the board. If you get more, you know, tear out from the joiner, well, you're going to sand it anyway. So I think it's, it's what tool you buy. You know, I might right. change my tune if we were talking about, you know, a table saw where I'm looking to, but even then, are you really expecting finish ready cuts off a table saw? Yeah, the I, the only thing the only thing I'll add is I did know someone who had a grizzly eight inch jointer. This was years ago, and the problem he had with it is not so much cut quality, but the fact that he could never keep the tables perfectly aligned, mm, um, and that it true. wasn't holding its settings. So that might be one area where a inexpensive or poorly made tool can bite you in the butt is that it's not holding its settings, and then you can't even joint an edge properly. Um, right. But again, one instance, you know, so so just do, do a little bit of digging. But I think you can buy it with Grizzly with uh, a fair bit of confidence. I know people who absolutely love them. So well, yeah, the other I, only other thing I'll say is when you do hear of those lemon instances, you hear immediately that Grizzly was on the scene and yeah, like, took yeah. care of it without a problem. So exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, I I've, I've had two safe. Grizzly items myself. And just like you, Shannon, the other reason I got got rid of them was because of an upgrade uh, for my own personal use or something came along and I'm just like, I can't, I can't miss this opportunity for something bigger and better or in your case, smaller and easier to carry around. Awesome. (laughs) Nice. All right. So let's move into our iTunes reviews. We would like to thank don't be hating Casey Doughboy, city woodworker and Frisco Mike who had this to say, I've listened to this podcast since its origin. Throughout my 50 years of woodworking, I thought Woodcraft was about the end product. Steady Mark, Crazy Matt, and Sane Shannon have made the process that much more fun. I never believed a podcast without pictures could be so informative, lively, and downright silly. Just when you think Matt has lost his mind, he comes out with the most incredibly reasonable and accurate advice. How does he do that? Mark, How did I do that? Mark, he's, when did I do that is the question. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Mark is the anchor, and Shannon makes it all credible. Good stuff, guys. My woodworking will never be the same. Very nice. Thank you so I'm much for Incredible. You are credible. <laughs> I don't believe it, but you are one credible. Person, one person thinks it anyway. Right. Uh, okay, so just a reminder that today's show is sponsored by Festool at FestoolUSA.com and SawStop at SawStop.com. And we'd like to thank recurring donors Dane C., Larry S., and Andy K. for their generous donations. And if you'd like to support us with a recurring donation or a one-time donation, you can do that at WoodTalkShow.com. Just go to the woodtalkshow.com and look in the left hand column you'll see a couple of links where you can sign up for that and that always helps support us we we really appreciate it when you do that yeah definitely in fact i think people should do it more often in fact i'm going to encourage all of you to do it right now (laughs) go right now right now immediately (laughs) we'll stop yeah there you go okay go ahead and uh, that's about it so matt how about you tell them how they can get a hold of us and we'll get out of here all right, folks. Hey, do you have a comment, a question, or a topic suggestion? And please don't ask us to do any more birthday things because we know that your ears are bleeding from that attempt at singing. <laughs> you have several different ways to contact us. Leave a voicemail on Skype. Our username is WoodTalkOnline. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Email us at WoodTalkOnline at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a comment on our WoodTalk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or maybe the downloads for today's episode or any of the previous ones, you know what? You're going to find those over at WoodTalkShow.com. And the more I think about it, we, we'll do birthdays and anniversaries. Uh, you'll have to make a donation first. Oh, this will be the one-time free. There you go. Two bucks. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We'll, uh, yeah, okay, that's a good idea. All right, I think that's And we'll it. include an autographed picture. Not necessarily of us, but you'll get an <laughs> autographed somebody? picture. Somebody? 
<laughs> you're going to get a Gary Coleman autographed picture. <laughs> and it might not even be Gary Coleman's real signature. It may not be. You'll get a Frank Stallone autographed photo. <laughs> oh, to be, to be Stallone's brother. That must suck. I think it does. Anyway. All right. Uh, I think that's about it. You guys have a great woodworking week and we'll catch you next time. Bye. See ya. All right. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.